Welcome to the Positive Productivity Podcast, episode number 72. Welcome to Positive Productivity Podcast, where we empower our audience to achieve and appreciate personal and professional success, especially in the face of adversity. Listen in as our guests reveal their stories of challenges and hurdles and how they overcame defeat and became triumphant in their endeavors. Let's get motivated and move forward with your host, Kim Sutton. Back to another episode of Positive Productivity. This is your host, Kim Sutton. I'm thrilled to have Lisa Princick, who is a business strategist here to join us today. Hey, Lisa, how are you doing? Good, thanks. How are you, Kim? I am thrilled. Lisa, you help impact-driven business owners find their true value and from that place build profitable businesses that are fulfilling and bring more good into the world. That is so powerful. Can you please tell the listeners more about your background and about what all this means? Because there's just so much value in this value. (laughs) Okay, thanks. Um, Yeah, well, I've, you know, my background in my work was in the world of sustainability and corporate social responsibility. I found that I was living in a ski resort after university and I had this huge desire to to do something meaningful. I heard David Suzuki speak and I spent a weekend on a First Nations healing journey. And I think there was one other thing that culminated my decision to decide, you know, to, to get out there and figure out how I could make my career be more meaningful. And at that point, I, so I moved back to, to Vancouver. I live in a little town right now, just outside of Vancouver, British Columbia. And at the time I was living in Whistler. So I moved back to Vancouver and got into the social change movement there. And there was a huge group of, of business owners and impact driven entrepreneurs and got connected to them. And that really inspired me to focus on how I could embed work or business with create making the world a better place. So that was my initial initial foray into that. And I just fell in love through that process with entrepreneurship. And that even though at the time I was working for a small nonprofit doing consulting in sustainability, it was the entrepreneurship that kind of on a personal level really struck me as very scary <laughs> and very compelling. And so a few years later, I I realized that I wanted to dive into this world of entrepreneurship and also get the, to the lifestyle part of the reward for doing that because I'm also somebody that although I really crave the intellect and the impact, I also love the mountains and need that time doing being in the outdoors and doing my sports and activities in order to feel connected and feel inner peace. And so just always being an intellect and impact space doesn't give me that. So then, you know, trying to get that lifestyle of both is really been my, my lifelong journey. And how is that looking right now? Like, how is that balance going for you? It's good. It's good. What's happening for me now is that I've really become an online business person. I've, all my clients are all over the place, all over North America. And I'm getting to that point where I'm ready to make some moves of going and realizing, well, where do I want to live in the world? And where's the energy that I need to absorb? And where can I show up and make a difference? So I've, it's going well, because I'm very objectively, through all my personal work, able to look at my business and figure out what, what needs to get done. 
that's going to get me to where I want to be, which is a real balance. I shouldn't say balance. Balance is kind of a funny word, but a really good combination of living the lifestyle and having that freedom and space that I need and also loving the work that I do. Oh, that's so huge. My husband and I actually just decided this past weekend that when the kids are a little bit older, we want to get an RV and take our business on the road while visiting every state in the continental U.S. Maybe I'll have oh, to yeah, well, that's amazing. We'll have, we'll have to go up to Canada and hit all the provinces, right? Oh yeah. yeah I mean, the scenery is gorgeous. Like, yeah, you absolutely should. I mean, that's awesome. I would, you know, I've always loved traveling and I've loved the freedom to explore. And I'm, you know, I'm a fairly independent person. So being whoever shows up are the right people is one of my favorite expressions because I love living in communities where you go to the farmer's market and you see some people, you know, and then they're all walks of life in the community. And so experiencing different communities from that place is really, really valuable to me. Oh, I love that. Whoever shows up are the right people. That's yeah. So awesome. Yeah. And it's, isn't it so it's, true though? Like you never know who's going to enter your life on a daily basis, but that person is meant to be there. Yeah. And it's very, it fills you, it can really fill you up because it's that feeling of belonging without having to cultivate anything very super intentionally. You know, what you've got this ability just to show up and have those connections. I just appreciate those, those little spontaneous connections I have with people. Yeah. yeah. So it's really to me. So how are you connecting the most? I mean, I know you said, you know, you'll go out and you're at farmer's market, but as far as business wise, how do you find that you're making most of those connections and what's working the best for you? Well, right now it's online because again, I live in this very small town and there isn't a lot going on right now with respect to business networking. And I, and I don't energetically find that driving into the big city often is is a good use of my time unless I'm going for a day conference or something like that. I do love again to travel, but I I've bet more of a I've realized a bit more of a like an intense experience person. So I'd rather go to a a conference every couple of months for a couple of days than every week go and drive somewhere for two hours. So I'm learning to understand my rhythm and my flow of what serves me as a person and my energy. So I am getting out to things like conferences and then I'm growing online. And that's been really big for me because that I realized that freedom is my number one desire. <laughs> and and the online business has allowed me to actually go, hmm, where do I want to live next? And, you know, how can I keep exploring without having to be stuck to a an event or a group or a network. Right. So where would you like to live next? Well, actually, <laughs> that's a very good question. I'm actually lining up to move to Maui for a few months. Oh my goodness. In the next couple months. Yeah, I'm really, I love it there. I feel the energy there. And it's actually not that far from where I am in terms of flight. It's only five hours and it's not very expensive. So I'd like to spend a few months there, which is a bit of a stretch because it's a different country. And my five-year-old son comes along with me and I need to get him into school. So it's a leap, but I, you know, it's where I feel really called to be right now. So that's my, my next plan. And I'm, I'm pretty excited. So I'm working really hard and pretty focused to make that happen. And knowing that when I'm there, I probably won't be working as much because I'll be busy with my son and my work time. But yeah, that's where I want to go. Oh my gosh. If that were me, I would be spending every waking moment on the beach with my kids. Forget work. Yeah, like, no, I know. <laughs> I 
And then that's part of the ebb and flow too of my focus time is that I think in my way of being productive is to do it in shorter term spurts and focus on like actually use focus. And, And so if I work really hard now and build myself up to a level where I know it will be sustainable then, then I can put effort still into it, but I will still have less time that I need to put into it. And that those focus times, I think, are a better way to get ahead than trying to put in a daily routine if that's not, what's the word? I think some people work really well with a daily routine and I do believe in structure, but I think, you know, high, high performance, like think about Tony Robbins, he has his rituals every day and bar, if you're not at that level, then bursts of focus, like several months at a time really work well for me. And I I think other people too. Yeah. I've been studying how people like Tony Robbins, or I'm thinking more specifically like Amy Porterfield and Todd Herman and those who have like big programs that they launch. Mm-hmm. How how they produce those and just trying to get a short course for myself produced was a bear because I, w- I was trying to fit it in along with everything mm-hmm. else that I was doing. Mm-hmm. And then somebody said, well, you should get a hotel room. And I was thinking, oh, why didn't I think about that before? And I've gotten a hotel room for like a week, gotten good sleep and gotten a lot done at the same time, right? Yeah. So, it's like writing a book, right? So if some people can write a book, you know, a thousand words a day or 500 words a day and do it for a year. And other people are best to actually book off major long weekends or week long stints and get it done then. And I am a bit more of an all or nothing personality, I've realized. And I, so I work better with intensity than I do with casual, you know, short periods of focusing every single day. That's a little too routine for me. My energy doesn't work like that. My energy is different. It doesn't have, I don't have the same energetic vibration going on every single day. It's very different and every week and it's not always super predictable. So I kind of tend to have to get myself into a headspace and that takes time to build up to it. Yeah. So we were talking a little bit about energy flow and your energy work pre-show. Can you share more on that? Well, I think most of it comes down to just trusting the energy that you're feeling. And I know that when I've been through really challenging times in my life, and I think a lot of us do, we have a tendency to try to push ourselves out of that. And then we push and then we don't actually shift because we're not ready. And then we end up feeling bad. (laughs) And then that perpetuates the cycle of not feeling good about ourselves for whatever reason. And I've, I have actually really allowed myself downtime when I'm feeling down. And, you know, especially when I've gone through some, you know, challenging lifetimes, I've, I've given myself the space to heal as opposed to pushing myself hard through it and then really just moving away from self-acceptance. And I, what I find is that when I'm ready and I'm back on and feeling like, good, then I'm on because I don't have any lingering pressure from, oh, I wasted two days not feeling, not getting enough done or like, I just, you know, I really don't do that negative self-talk because I just accept that this is who I am and things happen to us in life. And sometimes we just have days that aren't super productive and I really don't put that pressure on myself. And I think that's what helps me to be on when I'm on. And then I get a lot done in very little time. You know, I actually think that we get, it takes us very, 
little time to do something very powerfully when we're it's the right time for it. Oh, absolutely. We talked briefly in our chat beforehand. So you have an online business manager. Do you find that your energy goes up because you're able to delegate the tasks that maybe you're not so passionate about, but she can do for you so that you can focus on, you know, your passion projects? Absolutely. I I was really a few things for a long time that I just wasn't doing because I was being drained by the technical and learning all the details about Facebook ads and researching all the things that before I had a kid <laughs> I had time to do because I had, you know, the extra energy to spend a few hours extra a day doing the kind of work that now it's just feels draining to me. And so having someone that I can, can get me started means that I can finish really easily. It's just so easy to implement some of those things that aren't in my wheelhouse when she's starting it. So that has helped me a lot. That is actually making it really easy to implement my plan because I really, I have a pretty clear plan. I'm a, I'm a business strategist. So I, I know what my goals are and I know what I need to work on. And I've really figured out my value proposition in my business. I know how I help people. I know who I want to help and who I do the best work with. And I, it's now a matter of just implementing that plan and doing it on my own is way less inspiring than doing it with somebody who gets me, who likes me, who believes in me. I like her. We have similar values. That gives me energy just touching base even once a week for 20 minutes on a phone call. Oh, absolutely. And I know people out there, listeners out there are probably wondering, how did you find her? So I'm just going to ask, how did you find your online business manager? I'm part of a group on a Google group with a mentor of mine. She has a big lab and there's several hundred people in there. And I have been in that group for a long time. And I did ask months ago, got different suggestions because I was like, I think I need a, a VA or I think I need, you know, well, who, what do I need? A marketing assistant, I called it. And because it really was someone who I wanted to have, who had more of sophistication than a perhaps like a VA who wasn't providing me with ideas. I needed somebody who actually had specialty knowledge in marketing and project management and they could lead me. And so I found her in this group, which is great because we both subscribe to the same mentor and have really down to earth values. And we connected and she also lives in Costa Rica, <laughs> which appeals to me too, because she's kind of gets my idea to live somewhere warmer and tropical for a while. And yeah, it's been great because she's got maturity. And I think that's also really important is that I want somebody who I can really relate to right now, having that more higher level support versus someone who I'm just having to be still in charge. I want somebody else to be a, a little bit in charge for a tiny piece of what I do. Oh, yeah, absolutely. And that's what I see as a big difference between a VA and an online business manager. I mean, nobody's ever going to be as vested in, or invested in your business as you are. But a VA will tend to wait for tasks to be assigned and an yeah. OBM, I mean, I would rather call them an online business strategist because mm. they're, they're about seeing you grow almost as much as you are as long as they're truly like into their position. Would you agree? Oh, yeah. And when you like the person, when you actually think, oh, I could go visit her. I mean, <laughs> it's actually you feel like you're forming something that's a more... It's just different because it goes beyond the contract in a way. Like there's just a feeling of support that feels genuine and 
And that, you know, it's useful. I mean, people have, if you have a strictly business relationship with somebody, I think if it's technical, but what I also want somebody for is that I'm alone in this. And I, I mean, I have other colleagues, but this is the most routine, consistent feedback I get. And so having just the validation is huge. And it's just, hey, what do you think of this idea? Or maybe we should talk about this technique instead. And then instead of sitting on it for days, I have someone who goes, yeah, that sounds great. And then I'm like, okay, so it, get, it happens much faster. And that is simply just because I ran an idea from uh, by somebody who I trust because I like their values, I like their brand, I like their uh, approach to life. And so that validation comes with a lot of weight. So does she ever have to tell you to slow down and maybe put something in the bucket for later? I think she helps me prioritize. Mm-hmm. I I think I've really learned to do that myself because I've had to slow down so much. I've had to really learn. I've learned that quite a lot on my own. I'm pretty good at that, actually, because I, I can feel myself getting anxious about something and then I just have to put myself back in my peaceful mindset. And I've done a lot of personal development work. So I, those those skills are coming in really handy right now because again business is a complete roller coaster and I I think this is why I love entrepreneurship is because to me it's a personal development game and it's going to kill you or make you stronger so going you know really helping bring the tools in that you need from a personal level is going to make this whole game so much easier absolutely so would you mind telling us about some of your personal development work? I mean, who have you looked to and who have you learned from and what type of work have you done? Well, yeah, that's a good question. So I think it started out like a long, long time ago in my 20s. And I I just started um, probably also started being in the mountains and being able to think, you know, started hiking a lot and and thinking more deeply about things. But I think, you know, I I think I started off the basics like Wayne Dyer and I, I shouldn't say the basics. I mean, he's a profound thinker, but very general just awareness. And that self-awareness went further. And I've always been exploring a lot of different, um, I mean, Byron Katie, I've listened to her and read her stuff. I mean, lots of, I guess, spiritual leaders was my initial foray into it. And I think that the the big thing that I've done is go to Vipassana meditation retreats. And these are 10-day silent meditation retreats and they are really, really tough. <laughs> and it's when you're sitting in silence for days, day after day, you drive yourself crazy and you honestly have to just observe the craziness that your head, your head goes into. Like this, you know, we, we right now have so many outlets. If we get a bad thought, we can start doing something else or pick up the phone or get onto Facebook. We can distract ourselves easily. But when you're sitting in it, and you have nowhere else to nowhere to go you start to notice how much it's not serving you and it's I, I think it would be like the equivalent of like 10 years of coaching or counseling is going to one of these and so that really rewired my the first time i went especially really rewired my brain chemistry and i've been to four of them and i hadn't gone in years and i went to one i think in, a couple of years ago and again i feel like the cumulative of those have added, have really changed my ability to to settle and to, you know, just find my center, even though I'm not a great daily meditator, I'll be honest, I'm not. And I believe in daily meditation. I know people who have 10 minutes a day for a year have completely changed their emotional reactions. 
And I just happen to be somebody who's a lot better at intensive experiences than the daily routine. Oh my gosh. I can't even imagine. I mean, you're talking about this and you're talking about it being for 10 days. And I was sitting here having trouble letting you talk for two minutes like without interrupting. That's just, uh, yeah, no, it's terrible. It's, it's after childbirth. I think it's probably the hardest thing I've done. (laughs) Really? Um, It is. It's, It's tough. It's, but it's, it's good tough. So I, I highly recommend them. <laughs> and, and when I get clients who are really stuck and sometimes I'll just say to them and they haven't worked that personal part out. I mean, I don't have those kinds of clients as much anymore because I'm really focused on, on some strategic value that I offer that's pretty guided. But when I used to work more general coaching, I would kind of say to people, you know, this will work. If you really want to change your thoughts, here you go. Yeah. So that's been a big one for me. Well, so You've got me curious now, and I'm sure the audience as well. So what type of guided work do you offer? What what do you do in your business? Yeah, it's mostly business. So helping my clients find their brand and their, I guess, base, like their brand, their compelling value so that they can get noticed and with their, with what they're, they're really meant to be doing in the world by kind of focusing on their inner truth. It, so actually, so what it is, it's almost like taking a startup approach to business, like really like downloaded almost from Silicon Valley, yeah. <laughs> like that. Here's how you'd start a startup. Here's the process that you have to work through, except for that's really technical and really left brained. But then intuitively, I'm still walking people through those components of their business model. And it always starts with their value proposition. And I, because this is the thing that I struggled with for years. I mean, I became a coach before people really, the whole world knew what a coach was. And then I didn't get focused on the value that I offered. I could never distill it. And it wasn't until about two years ago that I actually was like, wow, I still as a business coach, don't actually know the exact value that I offer people. And that was really still hard to sell and to get noticed. So now I get people to get very distinct and really specific. And it starts from within them. It starts from what they believe in. It starts from their strong message. It starts from their uniqueness. And I help them find that. And then we build a really attractive brand and messaging around that. And then focusing on the marketing that they can keep repeating that message in those same channels, the ones that they are excited about. And just, it's a truth-based business strategy. So it's about taking away the icky and yeah. Taking away the icky. I love that. So I do have to ask how much icky comes from a chase for money rather than the chase for passion. Like, is it's that a, is that a hurdle? Yeah, it's huge. I, and you can't do it <laughs> and be peaceful. So the, yeah. And so this is, I mean, I actually wrote a, a, a mini ebook about it called Soul Strategy. And I was inspired in my Vipassana meditation retreat. And I thought, wow, this is could apply to business. It's like focus on delivering outstanding value. Focus on being in service. That's the best feeling you can have in the world when you're serving somebody. And if you can focus on those two th- and, and knowing that the value is outstanding and that people are getting something out of it and keep, you know, keep staying curious, like, is this an objective? Is this the best way I can give them value? Could I give more? And I don't mean about more time. I just mean more integrity, perhaps, in what you're giving people and making sure you also sign up the right clients. Because if someone doesn't need what you have to offer, it's that's not being in service if they could use something else instead. So I think that those two things feel awesome. 
And if you follow that, then you pursue your growth with the similar outcomes of revenue with a different, bigger purpose. And it feels good and it makes the rest feel good. So what advice would you offer to a client who really did need some income coming in, but they were approached by a prospect who really wasn't in line with what they believed in? Well, hmm. I think the challenge is, I mean, if they could find, if they were really honest with their client about what they were getting them, I think that you can let the client decide. I don't think you have to go, oh, well, I'm not sure this is a fit. I mean, you can put it out there and, and, but just with real honesty, instead of the, the little bit of the spin of, no, I'm sure this would be good for you, even though you don't really believe that. Like just, it's honesty and clients can choose, prospects can choose. As long as you're giving them the full information, I think you can choose. And that happens in a personal conversation. And that's why sometimes I am a bit critical. I have, you know, a blog post about, <laughs> about how to grow without being a mass marketer, because I think a lot of mass marketers also off, like pr- say that you are going to earn $10,000 on your first webinar when I would probably guess that most people who are taking that course don't have the value propositions that's strong enough to make $10,000 on their mass on their first webinar. Oh, absolutely. I don't, I just think that if, you know, and perhaps people work their way up to believing in their values so much that it's just that when you're having a personal conversation with somebody, you can have that conversation that talks specifically about their need and then they can make a choice as opposed to you putting out a message and then marketing it, marketing it, marketing it. And then a lot of people buy it and a lot of people won't necessarily get that value. Oh, I love that. So I think it's a balance. I think it's a balance. I mean, you don't want to, you don't want to be too stringent and too perfectionist about saying, I can't help this person at all. I mean, absolutely. You're part of their journey. I think it's just about being honest and then letting them decide. And then also realizing though, if you have huge red flags, a a client that's not a good fit might actually cause you a lot of self-doubt and not help you win the next few things. Oh, definitely. I mean, I think you can be sabotaging yourself by taking on a client who's not a good fit. And I will say I've done it to myself. Yeah. Because you don't perform at your highest. Yeah. I hate to say it, but it's easier to miss deadlines. And again, I hate to say it because it is me admitting that I've gone through all this, but in the end, you're not building your rapport and your reputation for the clients who are a good fit when you're not taking on the clients who are in line with you. Yeah, I agree. I agree. Although there's a testing phase. So sometimes you will kiss a few frogs. <laughs> yeah, definitely. But I mean, if they're, if they're so obviously not in the right market or anything, I mean, don't, and this is hard for me to say because I've been in that position where money really was necessary. So I've had, well, I felt the need and I did follow the urge to say yes, because bills still need to get paid. Mm-hmm. But it was just so outside of anything that I would imagine ever taking if money were not an issue. Yeah. And then I think there's also ways around it, too, that you could just do a list of people to cold call that you knew that you would serve really well. Or, I mean, I think there are there are ways that you can try to make up for that and they don't have to be as as perfect as you think, like I know that in the past I've had group masterminds in my own home 
I mean, I used to have more of a local business and more of my clients were local. And I used to just, oh, you know, here's, I want to have a group of amazing women that meet once a week in my home and do a mastermind. So you can come up with revenue opportunities on the fly that take your skill set and just give what you've got live, you know, to make up for that and make that gap up. And they don't have to be like, think, you know, think about it and prepare for it for six months. So what are some of the biggest lessons that you've learned while you've been building your business? Yeah, that's a good one. I know it's a very (laughs) vague question, but is there anything that you look back on that you, well, let me, let me narrow this down a little bit. Would you have hired your OBM any earlier? Totally. (laughs) Yes. How long did you wait to hire her? How far in were you? Well, I mean, my business has kind of been up and down for a few years and, you know, it, I think, I mean, even just two years ago, I even let, let it completely go because I needed to reinvent it. I think that people make a mistake of thinking that they're going to make money in their business at the beginning when you actually, it costs money to start a business. I wish I knew that. I wish I just had prepared to spend a chunk of money and was very comfortable with that idea that, oh yeah, I need to learn a few things. I need to hone in on my value and I need to get support, way more support. And that the DIY thing was just, it just dragged it all out. And I, I wish I just understood that better because people really think they're going to make money right away and you don't. You can't instantly. I mean, you can if it's more of a consulting style business and you really are not putting the money into the brand and the marketing if it's large contracts. But yeah, I wish I'd know. I wish I'd just gotten my head around that and then I would have stopped stalling to spend money on things that I needed to do, spend money on and found a way to do it. Like coming into a business at a good place. Like, and that, like I said, that's why people have either a side hustle or they work full time and save up some money or they borrow or they have savings. There's got to be a way to make it easier. And then I think just coming from a place of like real integrity and really just trusting yourself and confident in who you are and less of the comparison. I mean, I think that whole phase of comparing was, it's a really strong urge people have and that's just got to stop. <laughs> oh, and- it does. And that's just something I've been through. I mean, even just this, just this summer, I finally kicked myself in the butt and have stopped doing that. Great. Who cares it's what you- other people are doing? Yeah. It's your own journey and, and it's a bad habit. It's a habit. It really is. It's a habit. And it does stem from something inner. And I really just think that business is a platform of learning about ourselves. I mean, we could have, most of us could probably have jobs and it'd be a lot less challenging from that one perspective, even though we may not be happy in our jobs. We are still learning about ourselves and the more we can kind of conquer our personal stuff that comes up, the easier the business will flow and the more fun we'll have doing it. So, I mean, I know people like just someone the other day was saying, because I have a kind of theory about, you know, using your heart instead of instead of the hustle. And if you focus on getting your heart stuff figured out, like who you really are, how you really want to serve, then you don't have to just keep hustling as much because you're clear. And she just said, you know, the fact that when she's in the hustle mode, she doesn't even enjoy the work that is doing going well. She doesn't have the time to savor it. Yeah, that's really interesting because people talk about hustle all the time. And for me, I don't like that word at all. Like to me, it sounds dirty and I, I don't know, maybe I could just be interpreting it wrong, but <laughs> I don't like to hustle. I I like to savor. 
Yeah. Right. And a big part of me savoring came after finally outsourcing those things that I really just dreaded working on. I mean, spending 10 hours trying to get something on my WooCommerce site working when I could have just outsourced it to begin with. That's, I mean, I should have just done it. I, know. I would, yeah. Ins- instead of hustling to, but maybe I'm looking at the word hustle wrong. No, if you're I, listening I think it's true. and you want to like comment <laughs> on, what hustle means to you, I would love for you to go to thekimsutton.com forward slash podcast and leave me your feedback on what hustle means to you because I would love like some varying opinions on this, please. That's a great, I, I can't wait to read that. <laughs> I can't wait. Yeah, to me neither. Because I, I think it means a different thing. And, and it doesn't mean that I don't think there's really a good case for strong periods of focused productivity and implementation. But I think the hustle, I look as a bit random, as a bit messy, as a bit unclear. It's just this like, oh, I need to be here and here and here and here. And it feels hectic. And I don't have a lot of capacity for that kind of hectic. It it doesn't really, I can't keep it up. It's not how I'm wired and I can't do it. So I need to go deep. That's the other side of it. It's like, just ignore, like kind of tune it out and go inside and that's an easier way. It's a, it's a more, and that's the way that's calling to you and it's going to be calling to you for the rest of your life. It's not going to go away because if you do get some success, it may not be enough. And there may be something else in your life you need to kind of work on. So if you can't ever learn, you're just sort of chasing towards the end of your life. So it's kind of the chase is another word I would use for that as well. What does success mean to you right now, Lisa? Freedom. <laughs> It really is freedom and freedom for the quality time with in my relationships and the freedom to do the work that I love. Yeah, it's all freedom. So for, for me, the revenue only has to be enough to give me the right kind of freedom. And then when I also crave impact, then that revenue will focus on an impact, something that has more, more impact, even more impact, something that's bigger. Because I think that those two things I'm driven by, freedom and impact. So that's success to me. I love that. And I don't normally reach out to listeners as much as I'm doing this one, but I'd love to hear what the listeners think success means to, or what success means to you listeners as well. So head on over to the comments and share what success means to you too. Yeah. Wow. I think a lot of us have common values around that actually. Like I think most of us want to do work that matters and we want to do what feels right. And I think the freedom idea isn't necessarily to sort of live a life of luxury. I think it's to live a life of meaning and to be able to choose and choose from anything from healthy food at the, by local producers at the store. I mean, things like that, like that's freedom. Right. So freedom doesn't have to mean the luxury of going to to Maui, but yeah, just the freedom of being able to choose where you're buying your fruits and vegetables. Yeah. I love that. And yeah. so many people have looked at success as being all about money and and I'm seeing finally that transition for myself and I hope a lot of the listeners have seen the transition and I know you have, obviously, but it's not all about the money. No, I think money can be we can look at it differently. We can look at it a little bit more as a as a curiosity, like, oh, well, if I was to make more money, what would that mean to me? And how would that feel? And what, like, I mean, just to see what somebody is motivated by. I really just think it's getting out of that ego place about it, though. It's, you know, and it, not being a, 
oh, well, I make this, therefore I am. That is the thing that needs to shift. And then whatever money shows up, then you decide, is this worth pursuing because I could do some good with it or but at what some point, consist, consistently making more and more money is just going to take away from your actual ability to enjoy anything that comes from it. So it's really that knowing when what's enough as well. Oh, and absolutely. And appreciating how, what you have. Yeah. I mean, how many more people can you really help with that much more money? I mean, yeah, you can you can be building a huge platform, but at some point you start losing that personal touch. Yeah. And you're just wrapped up in seeing how many millions you can make instead of how many millions you can help or how many singles you can help. Yeah, I think, and I think it's a natural progression. And I, I do think that if more people thought of it as a natural progression that, and then dealt, well, that's not being in the moment and being present and, and answered that question when they got there, I think it would make more sense than being at a beginner place, say in business to looking at a mass marketer making multi seven figures that you can't even figure out. Well, getting from here to there feels like ego. It feels like proving something, getting from here to the next step, to the next, to the next, to the next. Once you naturally get there, it might be like, wow, actually, if I make this shift, I can donate a whole bunch of money to this, or I can start a organization that has some social benefit to it on the side. Or, you know, I've heard Marie Forleo talk about being a philanthropist. And so even though she may be playing that, she may be really focused on that personally, and we don't necessarily see that side of it. And that could be her reason for doing it. But I mean, I don't know, because I don't know her personally. But I think the idea is that from here to that place of having that level of success feels like a hustle. Whereas if we're just focused on the next level and the next level and the next level, we can then make those decisions when we get there. And it's less overwhelming than trying to figure it out from here. <laughs> Oh, I love that. I love every, every bit of that. And I hope the listeners go through to the, the transcription and reread that because that's so powerful. Or just rewind it like two minutes, rewind this episode and listen to all that again. Lisa, this has been an absolute pleasure. Where can listeners find you? Well, I don't mean geographically because obviously you're in <laughs> about to take a journey, but where can they find you online and get to know more about what you do and how how they could work with you? I am at lisaprincic.com. So that is L-I-S-A-P-R-I-N-C-I-C.com. And that's where you'll find me and I'm happy to connect and yeah, people can sign up and have a chat with me and talk a little bit more about where they're at or send me an email. I'd love to hear from people. So I'm, I'm wide open for communication. Yeah. That's so fabulous. The whole transcription of this episode will be on the show notes page. So go to thekimsutton.com forward slash podcast. I appreciate you all being here listening today. Lisa, thank you again for being here. And I hope you all have a day and a week filled with positive productivity. Hey there, this is Kim Sutton, host of the Positive Productivity Podcast. And I just want to take a quick moment to thank you for listening to this episode. If you enjoyed it and were inspired, I would love to hear your feedback. Please take a moment or two and visit the podcast on iTunes, Stitcher, iHeartRadio, or on my website at thekimsutton.com to leave your rating or review. I'd also like to invite you to join the Positive Productivity Book Club and to find out more about my coaching packages by visiting thekimsutton.com. 
Until the next episode, I hope you have a positive and productive day.